Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. It's just not right. It's not fair. Have you ever heard that before? Have you ever said that before? It does not take living long at all in this world to realize that this world is not fair. Even if you don't say it, you may think it. This parable that we have before us today seems to confirm it. Where is the fairness in this story? There just doesn't seem to be any other way you can characterize it except to say it's not fair. It is clear that the landowner is not an economist. Managing the economy is not his strong suit. It seems he needs a senior economic advisor if he is to do well in this business, business that he owns. Why doesn't he seem to know that when people work for longer, they should receive more pay than those who had hardly done any work? Jesus had a great opportunity to enhance his standing among the disciples, but he did not do anything to let that happen. Instead, he tells this strange parable. We are now in Matthew chapter 20, but we have to go back to chapter 19 to find out what brought about this economics turned upside down policy that Jesus is laying out. A certain rich young man went to Jesus to find out how he could inherit eternal life. He asked what good thing he needed to do to get that eternal life. Jesus told him to keep the commandments. The man replied that he had kept all of them. You can't help wondering if he had gone to Jesus fully expecting to be commended for being a perfect law keeper. But if he expected praise, he was disappointed. Jesus asked him to go and sell his possessions and give to the poor, and then he will have treasure in heaven, and then he should come follow him. That didn't sit well with the man. He went away sad. After the rich young man left, Jesus told the disciples that it was easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the reign of heaven, which is the kingdom of God. We don't know the disciples who have been awash in cash, but this shocked them because being rich was supposed to be a great blessing from God. If the rich could not inherit eternal life based on their wealth, who then can be saved, they asked. Jesus assured the disciples that with human thinking, it is impossible for anyone to be saved, but with God, all things are possible. Peter still wasn't quite sure, so he asked, we have left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? Peter was saying, in effect, Lord, that fellow was unwilling to part with his possessions to become your disciple, but we have made real sacrifices in order to follow you. That makes us special, right? What's in it for us? Jesus told them that they had lost nothing by following him. In fact, he revealed to them that they will sit on 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And he added that anyone who has sacrificed anything to follow him will receive 100 times as much. In addition, that person will inherit eternal life. What he promised them was a result of his extreme generosity. Then Jesus said, but many who are first will be last, and many who are last will be first. And he follows it up with the parable that we have today. 
That may sound like he promised one thing and then he took it right back. That is what it would seem. But we know that when Jesus gives to you, he does not take it back from you. What Jesus is saying is that if you've been a Christian, even for a long time, even if you think you've served the Lord marvelously, you need to remember that it is he who called you. It is he who gave his life for you. It is he who has promised the most important thing you cannot see yet, but which is certain, eternal life. The disciples were concerned about fairness. Jesus is saying that following him is different. It's about generosity, his generosity, not fairness. We live in a world where fairness is a huge issue. You are aware of the United Auto Workers Union strike that is currently ongoing. They say they were made to make huge sacrifices for the companies several years ago so that the companies would not have to close. They were promised that when things got better, their benefits would be restored along with pay raises. But that has not happened. They say they've been waiting a long time and seen the companies make billions in profits and the CEO's compensation go up dramatically. No doubt, the union sees the strike as a demand for fairness. The Hollywood Screenwriters Guild have been on strike for months now. If you ask what it's about, they will tell you it's about fairness. They are the writers for the shows, but they don't get paid much. Fairness. The issue sometimes arises when promotions in the workplace also happen. You've worked hard and everyone knows it, yet you are passed over when promotions come. What you might say out loud or confine in someone or repeat in your head is, it's not fair. The fairness issue does not only arise when it comes to payment for work. Fair is fair. So when we hear this passage, our immediate reaction might be, it's not fair. Give something to one child and pretend that the other child will understand that you don't have enough for both of them. You are likely to hear it. It's not fair. We want fairness, or at least that's what we might say. So it could be quite surprising that Jesus tells a parable that screams, unfair, unfair. If you've ever worked as a wage earner, you know why Jesus' parable today seems to be out of whack. In fact, it might sound offensive. If you don't work, you don't get paid, period. You don't get paid for showing up late. You'll be lucky if you don't get fired. I was once hired as an independent contractor by a company that graded English and math papers for several school districts for middle schoolers. One time I was late for work. There was an accident on the freeway and traffic came to a standstill for about two hours. I had left home at my usual time, but because of this accident, I arrived very late at work. Most of the workers who came from the same direction I did also arrived very late that morning. The supervisors knew about the accident because it was on the radio. So as soon as you began to say, I am late because they completed your sentence for you. Just before the lunch break, they gave us some forms to fill out. Basically, you were to explain why you were late and how long you were late. We thought, great, they will let it ride today and pay us as if we got there on time. No, that was not it at all. 
Those forms were to give them the go-ahead to deduct the time we were not there from our paychecks. There were many of us that day that had got caught in that traffic. As soon as they announced the deductions, we all said, it's not fair. It felt as if they had tricked us. People can be correct in saying it's not fair when they feel cheated. Productivity is, an impo is important to the owners of a business. That's how they make profits. But Jesus takes the disciples from the way things work in this broken world to the way things work in the kingdom of heaven, that is, the reign and rule of heaven under him. Things work differently. Jesus tells the parable. The employer goes out at 6 a.m. and hires some laborers to work for him. They agreed to the usual daily wage for a day laborer, one denarius. By 9 a.m., the vineyard owner did not have enough people to work for him. So he goes out and finds some more laborers, and he hires them. These guys were just standing there doing nothing. They were hoping that somebody would hire them. So they were content to receive whatever this vineyard owner would pay them. At noon, when half the workday is gone, he goes out again looking for more workers, and he finds some more workers, and he hires them. At 3 p.m., he goes out yet, yet again and does the same thing. And incredibly, just one hour before the end of the workday, at 5 p.m., he goes out again to look for more workers for his vineyard. He finds more, and he hires them too. What work will these last workers do when it was almost closing time, the time to shut everything down? He does not even seem to take that into consideration. He just hires them. It's now 6 p.m. It is pay time. And he instructs his foreman to pay the workers, starting from those who were hired last. This in itself raises an issue. Why don't you pay the first workers who had been breaking their backs for 12 hours straight so they can go home and rest? He rather starts with those who had hardly done any work that day. And he pays them as if they had worked the whole day from being idle and doing practically no work for the day to receiving a whole day's pay. That sure would bring smiles on those guys' faces. It was a day of abundance for them. Praise God, they might have said. When he gets to the turn of the first hired workers, they expected more. It's only natural. It's only fair. After all, they had done the bulk of the work, having been in the vineyard for 12 hours. And what did they get? one denarius each, the same wage like those who got in last and worked only one hour. So they reacted as one might expect. They said, what amounts to, it's not fair. These men who were hired last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. In the normal scheme of things, this landowner could have had a riot on his hands. It's simply not fair. But Jesus, the landowner, says to one of them, I am not being unfair to you. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the man who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you jealous because I am generous? It is good that what Jesus told was a parable but that he created a truth 
about the reign of heaven, the way things work when Jesus is in charge. What Jesus told in a parable is about his extreme generosity, not fairness. It's about what he came to do and has done. It's about him opening up his reign and keeping it open for all. Regardless of when you became a believer in Jesus, regardless of how much you think you have contributed to make the, making the church remain, it is still only Jesus alone who is really making things happen because after all, it is his church. It's about the God who persistently and consistently seeks out people to be members of his kingdom, his reign and rule. It is about the God whose thoughts are not our thoughts and whose ways are different from our ways. It's about the God who knows all that you did yesterday and today and what you will do tomorrow that is against his will, but who still says you are his own. It's about God giving you the most precious gift you can ever receive. That gift can never perish. The gift is eternal life. He knows those things should cause him to walk away from you, but he doesn't. Instead, he reaches out to you. He offers himself for death so that you will live forever. It is generosity, not fairness. You are all members of this reign and rule of heaven led by Jesus. It is by God's doing. It is not by your work. It is because of his generosity. If it is to be about fairness, God will weigh your righteous acts, every good thing you've ever done against every bad thing you've ever done, and what do you think the verdict will be? It will be guilty, that's for sure. No one can ask for fairness from him because the result will be terrible. Asking for fairness as far as his reign goes means you are on your own and you will have to deal with the unending consequences of your negative thoughts and unrighteous acts, something that will be unbearable. But he has borne the unbearable for you. He walked right into those eternal consequences for you. He knew it would not be easy, but he did not shrink from it. He saw death coming and he went and met it. He carried our sins in thought, word, and deed with him in the process, and he died. But death could not be master over him. It is impossible. On the third day, he got out of his tomb, never to die again. It is the greatest victory that has ever been won. And he won it not for himself, but for you. He gave his victory to you. That's generosity. That's what you should want from him. His generosity, not fairness. Because of his generosity, he has leveled the field. He has given to all of us eternal life equally. It is a priceless gift that we can bask in until we see him face to face when he returns. To God alone be the glory. Amen.